Hey everyone, this is RJ Thompson. Uh, hope you're all doing well today. I'm sitting down with Jonathan Bentley um, here on a Wednesday afternoon in sunny, bright downtown Youngstown. Uh, we're sitting in Friends uh, Cafe actually, and it's it's ra- rather busy given the time. Uh, usually, there's a lot more people here uh, around the you know lunch hour than there is now, but it's kind of surprising. At any rate, um, thank you for joining us. So. Uh, Jonathan, I'm going to ask you to just kind of introduce yourself. And, uh, and uh, this is the first time we've met folks. I know absolutely nothing about him other than he works for the city. Um, and, and he's very, very well-dressed. Um, I like the color of your shirt. Uh, is it like a lilac kind of purple? or It's, it's not a, purple. Like it's purple, lavender. Lavender, yeah. Like I always, a lavender always kind of dips off of my color spectrums. And I teach art, so like I should know the names of all these different colors. No, yeah, but we're, but we're guys, so we only have like a very, very, <laughs> small spectrum of colors. So, exactly, know. that's absolutely right. So, uh, Jonathan, uh, tell us about yourself. Uh, I'm the uh, born and raised here in Youngstown, Ohio, on the south side of Youngstown, the area known as Fosterville. They call it Idora now. Uh, when I was growing up, it was Fosterville. And um, right outside of Idora Park, actually right up the street, my street, Woodford, uh, ran straight into the Jackrabbit. So, growing up, the, ro- the roller coasters being warmed up were the way you woke up in the morning in the summertime as a kid. So, um, you know, so kind of a unique, this this town is quirky in itself of all the, the historical uh, landmarks and things of that nature. But born and raised on the south side of Youngstown, graduated from Youngstown City Schools, Cheney High School, and uh, went on to The Ohio State University, received my bachelor's in psychology, minor in business, and uh, received my master's from Youngstown State University in um, uh, higher ed administration. Very cool. So, born and raised, and, and you brought it back. Definitely. You know, you, you, you stepped away like a lot of folks do, but it, it was calling back to you. Now, I'm sure you had, after you graduated from Ohio State, you had a ton of opportunities to, you know, really do whatever you want. I mean, within reason. Um, but you came back to Youngstown. Why is that? Well, it, it was interesting. When I went to Ohio State, I was one of, uh, like many, that said, you know, you, hear, you grow up hearing there's nothing in Youngstown. You know, once you go away, stay away. So when I was at Ohio State, I received my bachelor's, and then I was looking for what the next step was. And I had opportunities to work down there. I did work. I worked uh, part-time at Ohio State and also worked uh, for the YMCA of Central Ohio. And I wanted to figure out what the next step was. I wanted to go to grad school. So I took a year to work, and an opportunity came up in Youngstown to work uh, work for YSU as a graduate assistant. And I had another part-time job. Uh, with the Youngstown City Schools. The unique aspect of that, it brought me to the same alternative school, both sides of my job. So I literally spent all day from about 6.40 a.m. to until about 5 p.m. with uh, severe behavior uh, students as well as alternative to expulsion. And some people would say, oh, whoa, that's, you know, that's a rough population to deal with. It was actually one of the funnest jobs, one of the most fun jobs I've ever had. You know, working with kids that uh, underserviced, underprivileged, but they appreciated everything you did for them. So still in contact with some of them. Some of them are adults now and married and, you know, doing really well, where a lot of a society would have said they're not going to accomplish anything. So that's what brought me back to Youngstown. Uh, spent two, two uh, years getting my master's and wanted to stay in the area. Because of that experience, I wanted to stay in the area 
and uh, ended up having to go back to Columbus. I couldn't get a job. Hmm. Getting the master's now meant that I was overqualified for everything. So, you know, and I really wasn't looking for an excessive salary or anything like that. I just wanted something entry level and, you know, work my way up. But I ended up having to go back. I got an offer from Ohio State. Ended up back on campus, but this time as an instructor and running career services for the Department of Sociology and Criminology. So I did that for a few years, and uh, an opportunity came up to come back to Youngstown. And that's what I, ultimately, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted, I had all of these different uh, talents and gifts, and I, I felt that, you know, Columbus is wonderful. It's my second home. I always consider it my second home. But if you have something that you can give back, you, you need to give it back to those that need it. Right. And this area needs as many professionals, those that have talents, gifts, to give back to the area. So that's what brought me back to the area and ended up working at Youngstown State University, running their 21st century program at East High School and Cheney High School. That was a real pivotal moment then, working with, with those under underserved students, yes. you know, those underserved kids. And, you know, I, I, I'm on the periphery of that. Uh, I have a relative who has a, a background in, in doing what y- you did there. Okay. And some of the stories that they gave, they told me, were downright terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing rang true, it's that no matter how terrifying or how unnerving those stories were, those people were always appreciative. Yes. You know, like, and, and a lot of it came from the like the scary parts really came from like you know things that were all of these things that were really beyond the the control of of the student or the learner you know it's like home life or socioeconomic position or just you know maybe there's some underlying disorder or whatever it is like it seemed like more often than not it was not the fault of the person uh, but more about the circumstances around them you speak to that a little bit more I definitely I would agree with that uh, the students that I had the privilege of working with, it was. It was home life. Uh, a lot of times it was home life. A lot of times it was, um, you know, just their environment. And once a group of us that came in, we, we were genuine people. You know, we had genuine concern for the young people. We had, uh, we, we put all our energy and all our effort in. And nine times out of ten, a student will respond to that. So those students that were, once again, labeled severe behavior handicapped, uh, alternative to expulsion, they responded. We sent, uh, we sent a, out of our cohort the first year of 30, we sent about 24 back to their home schools because they leveled out, they had good behavior, and they took care of the things that they needed to take care of to go back to their home school. We sent a few more after that. Uh, we only had one person actually return, and, you know, that always hurts, but, right. you know, we, we sent record numbers back to their home schools because we had a good team in there uh, which included, well, the school, one of the schools I was placed at, my father was one of the principals. So, you know, I ended up being there first. He got, he got placed there later in the school year, and we were working hand in hand. So that was an interesting scenario. I never thought I'd be, you know, sitting in Columbus and, you know, at Ohio State, and it, I never thought I'd be working hand in hand with my father. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was an interesting, and we had, like I said, a good team that came from YSU, DE counseling and a few other entities within the community, and we got those young people back on track. And I think that's the, that's the purpose of any program. But they respond when you're genuine. If you're a genuine person, you have um, their best interests at heart, those young people respond. And you said you're still in touch with some of them today? I'm still in touch with many of them. Um, a lot of those students, they were younger 
And when I did come back to the area to run a 21st century program in the high schools, they weren't a part of that program, but they were like juniors and seniors, uh, sophomores, juniors, and seniors still in the school system. So once again, it was like everything came full circle and a lot of those guys. And then I began uh, helping coach basketball first at Cheney, and then I finished out at East High School. Last season, uh, the 2016 season was my last season coaching. Uh, that was also one of the most fulfilling parts of, of my life is, is just working with the young people. You know, I have my career. I have, the you know, working with the community with the fair housing and fair employment program and a minority business program. But I also have to make sure no matter what I do in life, I'm still working with the young people and having a positive influence on them. So um, that your, your messaging is so great. And, and folks, I wish you could be here because it's, it's very, very genuine. And um, I want to know, um, through all of this stuff, what, what keeps you motivated? Uh, what keeps me motivated is when I, when I wake up in the morning, I, I can remember uh, the lifestyle I was afforded. And it wasn't, we, you know, we weren't rich by any means growing up, but I had a mother and a father in the home. I had great parents. I had a great family unit. And my, I was always taught to give back. So what, gives, what gives, keeps me motivated is I see a need for it. When I look out into the city, it's like, yeah, we're making improvements, and I'm grateful for that. I'm seeing downtown come back. I'm seeing the neighborhoods start to come back and some unification. But I want to keep giving back. You know, I had a great opportunity. I don't have, a, you know, as far as, um, you know, tons of money to give, millions of dollars to give. But I do have my time. I do have my effort. And I do have a positive influence to provide to the, to the people of this area. And, you, you know, you mentioned money, and I, I always have an, an issue with this in, in the context of giving back. You know, uh, for all that we're capable of and for all the opportunities where we can, we can contribute, I would say almost all of them do not require money. And more to that point, you know, if, if you get satisfaction out of helping people grow, and, and overcome challenge or trauma, um, the energy that, that you expend to do that, it's, it almost feels like it's boundless, it's limitless. You know, uh, it, you're, you're striking a lot of chords with me uh, and I get a sense that, you know, you feel an obligation to do this and, and, but that energy, it's never expensed. You know, it's never like full out gone. Like you wake up the next day ready to go. Um, is that what it feels like? It does. Now, I'm, I'm going to admit, you know, as I get a little bit older, you know, I'm in my mid-30s and yeah, I'm not, I don't have the energy like I used to. I still have a lot of energy, but it's not like in the 20s where you could get two hours of sleep and pop back up. But, um, you know, people looked at me like I was crazy. I would work my full-time job, which is with the city uh, director of human relations, and then at 4 o'clock... I'm zipping up the, the hill on East High to go coach basketball for another three or four hours. Uh, and then after that, if there's a student that didn't have a computer at home or, or what have you, we'll let some of those students stay and use our computers in our coaching office. Um, you know, there's a lot of technology-based you know, technology curriculum. There's a, a lot of that within the Youngstown City Schools, and sometimes these kids don't have the technology at home. They don't have Wi-Fi at home. They don't have the means to complete a lot of their assignments. So... At least for our basketball players, you know, we would stick around, and sometimes we didn't get out of there till 11 o'clock at night. Right. And then I'm back up at 5 in the morning. Um, we leave out at 11, probably get home, and if we, did, if we had to take anybody home, 11.30, midnight, 
back up at 5, 5.30 a.m. to do it all over again. So, um, you know, there's a lot of energy expended, but, you know, when you're helping people, it re-energizes you. It, yeah, and it's reciprocal in that sense, you know. Definitely yeah. Definitely. It's just as energizing, um, especially if, it, if it's something that you believe in and you genuinely love. Um, you know, for all of those, those journeys, as it were, um, can you t- just out of curiosity for my own sake, uh, and certainly without giving away, away too many details, but like, can you talk about some of the things that, that, that some of the pitfalls through that, throughout that journey that like those stumbling blocks and how you overcome them? I know that's vague and I apologize. No, that's fine. No, okay. no, no. Um, you know, some of the pitfalls is when you are expending that amount of time and sometimes uh, you may have someone that you're helping out, you're working with, and it could be a client. It could be a client in the housing program. It could be a client in the, in the fair employment program. It could be one of the businesses I'm assisting, and maybe they don't hold up their end of the bargain after you put a lot of time and effort in. It could be working with our young people. I don't even know if that got picked up because of the... Yeah. But um, it could be even with our young people. You know, you put time and energy in and effort, and young people are going to be young people, so they're going to make their mistakes. So I think some of the pitfalls is when you know you're, you're putting your effort in, and sometimes the end result doesn't come to fruition, at least not immediately. And, you know, with that, you have to go ahead and put a little more effort in. Right. Um, I don't really believe, especially with young people, cutting ties. But, you know, sometimes when that, when that, um, that effort that you put in doesn't quite pan out, or that person doesn't even see within themselves what you see in them right that's one of the pitfalls and it it can uh weigh on you emotionally incompatibilities happen between people especially in in the in the relationship of of help you know um and in in some circumstances you can look at a you can look at a relationship as i'm teaching you and in turn you're teaching me and you know, and perhaps I'm maybe a bit more sentimental about this, but for the folks that are just unreachable or are becoming unreachable, um, you know that it doesn't lessen the activity. It doesn't lessen the involvement or the interactions or the outcome. You know, it doesn't it doesn't affect that energy that you put into them because. They may not know it at the time. Mm-hmm. They may not even be aware of what you're doing, but later that'll come back and, and pay dividends. It, it always comes back. It always comes back. I've had uh, you know, several situations just from coaching where you know, we've tried to set in. The head coach at, um, at East High School, head coach for basketball is Dennis Simmons. Myself and Coach Simmons have you know, tried to get guys set up to go to college, whether it be a four-year institution, a community college, uh, and, you know, there have been times where some of the players were resistant. You know, they, they didn't understand this. Why are you trying to help me? Why are you? I've had students uh, in the school sometimes, a few times. I help in my spare time. I forgot to mention that I also help students find money for college. Okay. And it's not with any organization. It's just me. I have that expertise from working at Ohio State, um, working in career services, working in admissions. And so one of my things is, you know, my... Uh, things that I do in my spare time is help students find money. Well, even with that, just um, working with a student, trying to find them some scholarship or grant money, and even having a parent say, well, why is he helping you? Um, so, But then it does come full circle. You know, sometimes a light bulb comes on, 
whether it be with the parent, whether it be with the young person, and they come back around and say, oh, you know what, I understand what you were trying to do. You know, so um, definitely, uh, definitely it comes around full circle. Sometimes it just doesn't happen when you expect it to. Yeah. And, and that's, I, if anything, that has to be the tiring aspect. Like, just doesn't happen when you're expecting it to. But it happens. And, you know, for that person that you're helping, really, at the end of the day, that's what matters, regardless of when it happens. Definitely. Definitely. So, um, so you're scaling back a little bit on, on the coaching. And what, what, else, what else are you doing? Like, do you have hobbies? You build trains or wooden sh- No, it's no. But uh, what do you do as a person when you're not helping other people? Well, and I'm I'm not necessarily just scaling back. I'm actually just changing my role okay. with the young people. Okay. Where one thing I recognized is um, we had a lot of lot of young people that they kind of go haywire during their senior year, and we couldn't figure out why this student that has been great freshman year, sophomore year, junior year, they've been fine, and then senior year they kind of you know not completely derail but start to go off track a little bit and a lot of times it's because they don't have they don't know what the next step is and they don't know how to express that so my role even in my spare time with coaching is going to be more of a mentorship making sure that those young people if they're not college bound making sure they get a skilled trade uh, get them connected with the trade unions if it's not the trade unions there are several different technical schools that are opening up they're going to do something, and, and it's more so taking the, the philosophy, you're doing something with yourself after you graduate high school, but we're going to make sure you know around October or November of your senior year versus you scrambling in May or June. So my role is changing. I'm going to still be around uh, uh, still be around the team. I just won't be on the sideline. I'll be making sure that they have everything, all their other bases covered, so they're not worried about uh, whether or not they fulfill their graduation requirements. Uh, how am I, am I going to get a job? Am I going to college? They're not going to have to worry about that. October, November, I want it finalized. So they're not worried. Come around June. So, yes. It's a great investment, people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh, so um, you're a mentor to all these people. And perhaps aside from your parents, who, who mentors you? Who gives you guidance? Oh, my goodness. Who gives me guidance? I have so many people around the community and I, I'm almost scared to start mentioning people because I'm sure I'm going to forget somebody. Uh, one that stands out that always, whether it's just a positive word, checking on me is uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Reverend Dr. Lewis Macklin. That's one of my, that he's just a great overall person and has been uh, keeping me in line for years, years and years. Uh, Pastor Kenneth L. Simon, New Bethel Baptist Church. Um, so many, so many others, and I, I don't want to start naming because I, sure. I hey, know, that's I, okay. I already know I'm going to forget people, uh, but there's so many people that pour into me, um, that you know, t- you know, really too many to name, too many to name. So I have more of a community than just one or two people that mentor me and you know try to make make sure I'm on on track. Their names keep popping up in conversation yeah. uh, on this podcast and otherwise, and I still have not had the distinct pleasure of meeting either of them. Okay. So I'm going to rely on you to get them on the podcast, or at least... I can, I can do that. <laughs> I can do that. Yeah, I think highly of both of them, and I think highly of both of them. Uh, you know, I have another name that pops up is uh, Dr. William Blake at YSU. I don't know if you're familiar with him. works uh, in diversity. He's the director of diversity programming. 
I believe I've met him once or twice. Yes, you know, he's another one that has been, you know, mentoring me and on me since graduate school, and I appreciate everything he does. But like I said, I have so many people that, that pour into me, so it's really too many to name. So one thing I ask, and we're going to switch gears here really quick. One thing I ask everyone, because um, I, I have this theory, and I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about it after you respond to this okay. question. But um, you, you, you grew up here. You lived here. You work here. You've played here. You learn here. Um, but you've also been other places. Can you imagine yourself anywhere else? And if so, where would that be? Uh, I think I mentioned earlier, like, the only other place that I could imagine myself is Columbus. It's my second home. I've lived in Columbus. I've lived in Cleveland. Haven't lived out of the state. Uh, Definitely have traveled a lot, so I've seen many different places. But the only other place is, uh, you know, Columbus. But right now, you know, with the Youngstown, I just, living in Columbus for so long, I lived there for about a total of eight years. And seeing what can be done to transform neighborhoods and transform the economy, it went from being, you know, really a small-town feel down there to being a huge metropolitan area. The Columbus Metro, I believe, is like over two million now. Yeah. So <clears throat> I see the potential. When I, when I saw all that and saw all the resources down there, it just makes me, it's like, I, this has to be done in Youngstown. Not yeah. necessarily, not the two million. You're not going to get that in this area. Right. But just having the, the entertainment options, the economic options, you know, one of my hopes is, is for this area is, you know, steel and, and, and they have the additive manufacturing and 3D printing and things of that nature. But let's try to get one of those Amazon fulfillment centers here. Right. You know, I think we missed an opportunity with getting the PayPal fulfillment center here. You know, some of these uh, different factories that we know Amazon's not going anywhere. We know PayPal's not going anywhere. We know they're stable. They're very stable. So can you imagine bringing in hundreds of jobs to this area that are paying $50,000 and above? You know, that completely transforms your economy. So when I see the different opportunities that were in Columbus, I said, you know what? All they did was make sure that certain corporate uh, headquarters or regional headquarters were relocating to their area. That's how Columbus built up their economy. They're not a travel destination. They're not. But they said, let's get these regional headquarters. Let's get these big businesses here. And that's how you transform and build up your metropolitan area. So while I'm grateful for all the additive additive manufacturing, 3D printing, and all the other innovations that are going on, we also need some jobs for people. Hey, I'm graduating high school. I have a great work ethic, but I'm not going into additive manufacturing or 3D printing. And I'm not going to start a business. Yeah, and and I'm not going to start a business. I just want to work. You know, that's what the city was built on, people going into the steel mills because, hey, I graduated high school, not going to college, but I can still provide a living because I have the work ethic go work in the mills, provide for my family. But we got to look at what's stable and what's going to be here 20 years, 30 years from now. So that's what I want to see. That's what keeps me here. That's what, you know, that's why I like living here because I see the potential in it and we're on the verge of getting over the hump. We are. And you can feel that transformation. Um, I, the, the reason why I asked this is because I've met a lot of folks that, moved away some for 20 odd years Mm -hmm. and they come back this city calls back its sons and daughters when it needs them you know that's kind of that's kind of what it feels like and it's such a a a wonderful concept to Mm -hmm. think about um i'm an outsider Mm -hmm. i didn't grow up here 
Pittsburgh, right? I, yeah, I, I'm from, from Pittsburgh. I actually didn't grow up there, but I'm a transplant to Pittsburgh, much okay. like how I'm a transplant to Youngstown. Okay. And um, this, all of this motivation, this, this turning the corner, getting over the hump, it's infectious, you know? It's, it's inspiring. And um, it's great to hear stories like yours where, you know, you, you've decided to come back, plant plant yourself down and, and dig deep mm-hmm. for those roots in the community and, yeah. and grow, you know, and, and the, uh, everyone I, that you interact with must be so grateful and appreciative. And I hope most are, most are, <laughs> well, again, Hey, you know, referencing earlier, uh, they'll come around, they'll uh-huh. come around. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, so where do you see Youngstown in five, 10, maybe 20 years? Where do you want to be? Well, in, in we'll say in five years, in the short term, you know, I want to see um, while the downtown area has has you know, it's definitely it's active, you know, it's growing. I want to make sure that you know areas that are like the ones that I grew up in, uh, Fosterville, we need to make sure they're getting some attention. We need to make sure that the east side is getting attention. We need to make sure that uh, the north side, the, the neighborhoods on the north side that need it, are getting the attention, and even on the west side. Um, you know, familiar with every area, uh, every side of town, and I, I'm grateful for what's going on downtown, but I also want to make sure that those areas that need it are receiving a little love, too. So that's five, five years from now, I want to see the neighborhoods being rejuvenated the same way downtown is. In the long term, say 10 years, 15 years, I want to see more, uh, definitely more job opportunities coming in. I want to see us snag away one of those, like I said, a fulfillment center from a Fortune 500 company or, you know, something of that nature that, hey, we're bringing in 300 jobs. And it's not, you know, your normal call center, which we're grateful for those, right. call center or, or you know, uh, certain other jobs that are more common around here. But I'm talking about something that makes that huge impact right. where people know they're going to have job benefits. Now they can go buy a home. They can go uh, refurbish a home in the city so we don't have to keep uh, demolishing homes. We can repurpose them, repurpose the land. Right. So, you know, 10, 15 years from now, that's what I want to see. But everything is starting to grow. Just from the time I came back, um, I can remember even in the 90s, you came downtown to go to a couple of retail stores, maybe. Uh, most of the, the storefronts were boarded up. You went to go pay bills at City Hall, and that's about it. Yeah. Now you can come and actually spend an evening downtown and go to Oh Wow and, uh, you know, take your family to Oh Wow. You can go have a nice dinner at one of the many restaurants down here. You can, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's, there are actually activities. And then, not to mention the Covelli Center, you know, who would have thought that we, had an, uh, we would have an entertainment venue like that in downtown Youngstown. So, but 10 to 15 years from now, I want to make sure, of course, downtown is growing. But I want to make sure that all sides of town and those neighborhoods that really desperately need it are getting the attention and love that they need. Yeah, the growth needs to be distributed. Um, and it, right now, it's not equal. I mean, there is definitely the epicenter that is downtown and kind of reverberates out outward. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and, and hopefully, uh, and I'm sure over time, that equal spread will, will happen. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I asked this of one of our other um, uh, podcast folks, one of the people that I spoke with. And oh, it sounds like a deep question. What's it's actually, it can be. Okay. It, it, it's really not, but since you have a, a, a coaching background, mm-hmm. 
What's that one cliche phrase that you use with with your uh, with your students and your players? Oh, you would probably be better off asking them because they do impressions, <laughs> they do impressions of me all the time. So you know, and uh, most of them are so funny you can't get mad at them. Um, mm, I got to think about that one. Okay, well, tell me what. Tell you what. Do me a favor. Yeah. Next time you see them, get some of those on audio recording, mm-hmm. and I'll I'll put these at the end of the podcast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I have. Uh, let's see. Uh, Deontay Scott is at Westminster. I think he's in town. I'm going to ask him. He he's probably the player I was with the longest from Cheney all, and then the programs, the athletic programs merged, so he went from Cheney to East. So I have to ask him. I know he's done it, Terrell McLean, who's at the University of Akron. He actually just got done competing in the Olympic trials for long jump. Uh, We have a lot of, and see, that's one thing that's... That's That's crazy. That's one thing that's often, you know, uh, missed about our Youngstown City Schools kids. From one team, just, I'll I'll just go from from one team. We have Terrell McLean, who's at the University of Akron. Deontay Scott, who's at Westminster. He was MVP of their basketball team. And like I said, Terrell McLean uh, jumped in the Olympic trials. Joe Ingram is at the Ohio State University. He's like a program leader. He's actually like a mentor to, uh, to young people and, and like a team leader down there. They feature him at the football games at halftime. He's at Ohio State. Uh, we have two or three at Hiram, um, Rashawn Boykin, uh, Devontae Fleeton. I mean, we have so many guys that just from that one team that are doing well, and I think the knock on our kids, they think our kids are all in the streets, and they're not. It's definitely not true. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely not true. And it's like, you know, we had um, young people that were all like Youngstown early, early college kids. Uh, one of my ball players, he's actually graduating in fall from Youngstown State. He's graduating in two years. He's 20 years old. So, um, uh, Darion Taylor. So, I, and I just bumped into him the other day. So, you know, there's so many of our young people, and I know I've kind of segued off a little bit, sure. but there's so many of our young people that are doing great things, and I just think that needs to be highlighted. It absolutely needs to be highlighted because I didn't know any of that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, kind of shame on us for, for not asking. Yeah. You know, like all these great things are happening, and it, I don't know if we just, maybe I'm speaking for myself here, but it's like, do I expect to be hand-fed this information? Mm-hmm. Um no, that's why we're talking because I want to find it. So exactly. get me in touch with those people. I want to talk to them. Definitely. Um, I'll get you in touch with um, the ones that are in town. And cool. Those are definitely definitely stories that need to be heard. You know, I can remember even just as sitting on the sideline or interacting with people and, and some of the people that we would play against, the fans would say, oh, they're so well-mannered. I said, well, what did you expect? Yeah. You know, and what you see on TV is not necessarily the reality with our young people. You may see a few knuckleheads that get into a fight at school or get into a, you know, whatever, have some issue in the streets, and then that's all you hear about. But you don't hear about the 95%, 99, you know, 95 to 99% that are doing what they're supposed to do. So it's not attractive to report on that. You know, uh, when we were doing the uh, testing for the, the City View campaign with some of the stakeholders here in the city, uh, one woman whom whose name eludes me at the moment. I apologize, stranger, uh, if you're listening. <laughs> she actually used a, a, great fra- a great phrase in that this is the city of you. You can build yourself up here, you know, uh, I'm paraphrasing. But um, this is also the city of youth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she made it a very clear point to say you can focus on 
all of the stories of anyone here in the city, but the most important ones you have to focus on, you have to channel, you mm -hmm. have to record and archive, and it's the youth. Mm -hmm. You have to get their story, and uh, I, you're absolutely right. And you know their stories, uh, the 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 students that you worked with, the players that you worked with, like their stories are worth being told even now when they're they're living their story, you know? Yeah, they're living it now. It's not complete. Some folks it may not have even started. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean they don't have something to say. Exactly. So I'm really looking forward to talking with them. Yeah. And uh, I want to thank you for, for chatting with me and hopefully we can do this again sometime. Well I tell you uh, thank you very much. You know, this has been a great opportunity to just get my story out and, and also the story of many others. So, so hopefully you can connect with them. And like I said, I'm, once again, I'm appreciative of this opportunity. Thank you very much. We'll follow up with you soon. Thanks, everyone. Have a nice day. Take care.